when the passion body is activated, we're not doing things anymore. We are choosing to say no and setting boundaries around how much time we spend doing things that don't fill us up so that we have so much more bandwidth and energy and space to share what does light us up. And again, that's what creates the magnetism and the sort of magic attraction that everybody talks about, but nobody quite knows how to access. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. So today's guest is really, really interesting to me because she works with passionate women having a now what moment who are ready to turn on their unapologetic power. And for someone that is talking all the time about being the unapologetic leader in your industry, this is going to be a powerful, powerful conversation. So welcome to the show, Marie Elizabeth. It's great to have you joining me. Thank you so much, Samantha. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Look, I have been nerding out on your website and I don't know where this interview is going to go. And there, there is magic in that because there are so many things that we could talk about. But I want to start off with asking, what does unapologetic mean to you? It means rested in yourself, that you're not looking to the outside to validate or prove that who you are is okay and what you are is enough, that that knowledge is intrinsically inside and it's funny because I think some people can balk at the unapologetic thing like, what, are you just a jerk if you make a mistake and you don't apologize? For me, it's not connected to that at all. Mm. Of course, if I make a mistake, I apologize. However, it's not toning down my power to be acceptable. I love that so freaking much, so much, because... I'm a woman in midlife. I work with a lot of women in midlife. And it's like we get to this point where it's just like, you know what? We've been living our whole life, helping other people, doing things for other people. We just get to this point where we're like, it's our time now. And we want to be unapologetic about owning what it is that we actually want to do. And as I'm saying this, I can just feel the passion coming out. Like, it's just this really different time in our lives where it's almost like we've lived let's just go like 50 years of our life and we feel like we're suddenly being born yes we feel like it's all just starting right so the people that you work with they're having this now what moment where do people even start because we know that like it's our time we're here to do something big but it can still be this energy of like, but I don't know what it is. Yes. Uh, this is I get super passionate and excited about this moment myself because the arc, I'm going to describe the arc and why I talk about activating the passion body. When we're starting, all of us, we become conditioned. We're taught who and how to be by our family, culture, education, if we have a religious background, religion, 
society, all of it tells us who to be and how to be. And so the first part of life, we live activated through what I call the pretty body. We are generally very concerned with how we look. We want to be attractive. We want to do things right. We want to be good girls. All of that is at play. And then we hit this spot you're talking about where it's like, what about me? Totally. And then the very next question that I find, tell me if you see this in your clients, the next question is often, wait a minute, but who is that yes. if I'm not helping somebody? Mm-hmm. Like, what about, I don't even know who I am apart from the roles that I've played, apart from the caring that I've done. And that's when it becomes time to activate the passion body. And what I call this passion body sits very close to the soul. It's our intrinsic life force. It's our inner compass. It's the source of our desire. And what happens is we hit that spot, usually at around 50 or 40s, you know, in some very mature... Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. (laughs) What happens is our vitality goes. That's often the first sign. We're burned out. We're bored. We're drained. And then it's like, oh, what about me? Who am I? What's next that's aligned for me? So the first step I always say is to just own what's happening. Stop trying to paper it over with Band-Aids. Acknowledge, oh, this isn't working anymore. The how I've been doing. Now, nothing may need to change on the outside. You don't even know yet. Mm. But what has to change is an inner deepening first. Mm-hmm. So conventional wisdom says, oh, midlife crisis, you go blow up your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe you blow up your marriage. You close your business. You do something dramatic. And I'm here to say, don't do that because you mm-hmm. don't know yet if you're just creating wreckage or if it's the right thing mm-hmm. because you haven't done this yet. You haven't gone in. So step one, acknowledge what's happening. Step two, go inside. Love that so much. Now, I want to go back and touch on this, you know, moving from the pretty body to the passion body, because I'm going to admit when I first read this, I actually took almost a small amount of offense to this. I'm like, oh, like in my head, I was like, I wasn't just about the pretty body. But then as I sat with it, I realized, no, this is true. The way that we do things was different. And as I've got to this part of my life, I feel like in a lot of ways I've become invisible. So it did take me a little bit to sit into this. Can you tell us more about this transition from the pretty body to the passion body? Because I think that there's this, well, obviously there's this swing, but it doesn't just happen overnight. Like, what is it within us? Thank you so much for bringing that and for being transparent about how that landed, because I love hearing how things land. And of course, we're not just our appearance when we're younger. It's just that we're more driven by that often Mm. in how we, it's the currency we trade on. Mm -hmm. And there comes a time in life where that currency no longer works. (laughs) as well as it used to. And I'm so glad you brought up the word invisible because in that moment, 
we have a choice. We can either, and forgive me, Madonna, for using this as an example, but we can either Madonna ourselves and try to hold on to the past yeah. and hold on to that youthful look to the point of grotesqueness, mm-hmm. or we can activate this inner light. I mean, as we get even older, the next stage after the passion body, I call the radiant body, because this mm-hmm. is like, as we get older, the thing that's going to get attention, the thing that's going to be magnetic, that's going to bring the clients, that's going to bring the lovers, that's going to bring you know the friends, whatever, the book deals, all the things, is our radiance, is our light. And the thing that turns on that light, it's always there. It's like a little pilot light, always there. But when we learn to activate the passion body, we really become driven by our desire, by our purpose, by what lights us up, by what turns us on. That is the thing that turns heads. It doesn't matter the external anymore. And you see this in, oh, and these women are beautiful at any age, but I'm going to just use some examples. You see this so clearly in Emma Thompson or yes. Helen Mirren yes. or Michelle Obama, Oprah, any of these. It doesn't matter if they've had surgery or not. I'm not. I'm agnostic on surgery. But the thing I'm pointing at is women who are lit up by this inner fire versus staying focused on the outside as the currency. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And as you're explaining it, because Helen Mirren came straight to mind before you'd even said her name. Because... yeah. And it's funny because we think of the traditional version of pretty, but I think these women, and radiant is the perfect word, but they're beautiful because they radiate that from inside. It reminds me of a Roald Dahl quote, and and I could get this wrong, but it's something like, you know, something about moon or sunbeams coming from their face. And that's what it reminds me of. Like they've just got this energy about them. Yeah. And that's what I love. And that didn't happen by accident. I think these women have deliberately cultivated a relationship with themselves. They Mm -hmm. know themselves. They love themselves. They honor themselves. For example, Emma Thompson recently, one of actually my favorite films she's ever done is called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been told that I have to see it. You have got to see it. And the backstory is she refused to use to lose. They tried to get her to lose 20 pounds for the role. Is it? And she refused to do it. She said, no, this person that I'm playing, she would weigh this much. She wouldn't be 20 pounds lighter. So I refuse to lose the weight. I'm going to play it as is. And she did her first ever full nude scene in her entire life Wow! in this film. She stands in front of a mirror looking at her body, and it's so powerful. I get chills. I just got chills. I get chills thinking about it because that is the kind of reclamation and self-ownership and self-mastery that I'm talking about, basically. Totally. And that self-mastery, when we get that as entrepreneurs, that's what attracts other people to us. I've got another friend that calls it the wise years. You know, we're coming into our wise years. And that's definitely how I feel, especially as a 6'2 generator. You know, it's that I'm coming from a different place now and it attracts people in a different way. And 
I believe that everyone is amazing in business and I really do. But there's something special about women coming into those wise years and what we can share with the world and what we can teach. And I think that it's so important to go within and really find what that passion is and really align with that because far out it can create some magic. It can really create some magic. Oh, it's it, it really is the source of the magic. And when we tap into that, when we're connected to that, everything else flows so much more easily and it becomes so much clearer what is and isn't aligned because we're running all our decisions. I mean, I happen to be a sacral authority, so I mean, I tend to run my decisions by my gut anyway. But especially when the passion body is activated, we're not doing things anymore. We are choosing to say no and setting boundaries around how much time we spend doing things that don't fill us up. Mm. So that we have so much more bandwidth and energy and space to share what does light us up. And again, that's what creates the magnetism and the sort of magic attraction that everybody talks about, but nobody quite knows how to access, you know, until they learn. Totally. Yeah. So for people that are listening now and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm I've got goosebumps, I'm being lit up, but they may be feeling bored. They may be feeling like they are lacking a little bit of energy, maybe feeling a little bit burnt out. They're just not, they're like, oh, there's just something little missing. Yeah. I know that you you and I had a really fabulous conversation before we hit record about using the seasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to go any further because there's all yeah. sorts of things that you were talking about really to tap into our flow. I'd love you to share a little bit about what you were talking about. You bet. So I've developed this, what I call the passion body alchemical wheel. And my background is traditional Chinese medicine. So I've been in the wellness and eventually coaching space for over 30 years. And my degree is in Chinese medicine. And I used to practice acupuncture, although I left patient care 20 years ago and shifted to coaching. And the five elements and the seasonal understanding of life and the energetic, the bioenergetic kind of underpinnings of life are still how I live, even though I don't needle people anymore. So I created this year round wheel according to the five elements of Chinese medicine that maps the seasons of nature with the five elements with the particular aspect of the passion body that's most accessible and alive and available to be worked with at that time. So, and then each month of the wheel, I teach in my community, I teach on the topic of the month, which is basically the the verb or the theme of the month. In November, the theme is sustain. It's all about how do we have healthy boundaries and sustaining our boundaries as we go into a season, a holiday season, where we're going to be interacting with more people and and you know perhaps seeing our family more if that's part of the deal. And so how do we sustain our relationships by maintaining healthy boundaries and taking care of ourselves throughout this very busy season? So each month has a theme like that. And the reason I found it so important to create this wheel was I saw in myself, as well as other entrepreneurs, this tendency to push, push, push 
all the time. Like we mm. need to be launching all the time. We need to be promoting, creating new things, getting out there, doing stuff all the time. And there's no room to be like nature, which lies fallow for several months. Now I'm talking Northern Hemisphere because that's where I live. So obviously I'm talking the winter months being what I'm going into now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, so I know it's opposite for y'all, for y'all, but <laughs> it's, you know, in the winter, so that the winter is the season of the water element, it's the, relates to our kidneys, to our fundamental battery pack of life. The kidney energy is like our life force, our battery pack, and it gets depleted throughout life. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, it's time to recharge those batteries because the kidney time is most active then. And it's a time to build vitality. And how do you build vitality? With rest, with with going inward. And the winter season is, of course, you want to be inside more. You want to be cocooned more. It's the perfect time to go in and ask yourself, what do I want? Is what I'm doing still resonant? What do I see for the coming year? What, how do I want to move forward? What are the self-care practices that feel good to me now? It may be different than they were before. You might There might be some new self-care practice that wants to emerge that you, know, you hadn't tried before. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But it's a time to have extra sleep and extra rest and build that three months of that. And then we get to the spring, April and May, and that's the time, that's the wood element. And that's the time to, the wood Wood is called typically the general. It's a very directive, purpose-driven. It has, it wants to go somewhere expediently. And you see that in nature. Buds start growing, then flowers yeah. emerge. Nature is blooming. We are similar. Spring is a perfect time to take all that energy that you've cocooned and built and grown over the winter and begin to share it. And it's a time of pleasure. The wood element actually governs arousal. So mm -hmm. libidos govern more in the kidneys. So if you're tapped out and exhausted, you probably don't want sex. You need to build your vitality in the winter. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the spring is when it's a time of more pleasure. And and you can imagine, for me, I'm, a, I'm from New York originally, so the, the, the image that always comes to mind for me for spring is that first day in spring when I'm on the subway and I see somebody in a tank top who's got really hot arms. Ah, and it's like, ah, it's like <laughs> that quickening in my body because we're starting to see skin again. You know, that's, yes. that's <laughs> right? That's spring. That's the energy of spring. And it, and you want to really draw on that and juice up your pleasure, what I call your pleasure body. Then uh -huh. in the summer, June and July, that's the fire element. And that is very much a time of fire element governs talking. It mm -hmm. governs, it's the heart, it's how we relate. And so summer, you really want to work on communication. Your relationships, often if you're a parent, your kids are off from school, you're going on vacation, you're doing stuff with your family. So that's really a time of of nourishing your emotional body. How are you, you know, in the summer we are often, I mean, again, our summer is warm in June and July. So, uh, you know, we're outside more. Everything feels more open and full. And it's just a, a time to really have full expression. 
And then late summer is the earth element, which is the mental body. And what happens, what goes out of whack the most in the earth season is the mind. The mind gets into overworry, it gets busy, it gets stuck, it gets it gets these loops. And so I like to focus in the in August and September on really mental clarity and getting clear on the stories that we're telling, dismantling those stories, aligning with what's actually true, et cetera. It's a really good time to do that work. And also in the States anyway, it's like when kids are starting to go back to school and you know, it's just, it's a big, it's a very busy time and it's time, you got to keep your head clear. And then the fall, so from October, November to December, that's the metal element. And that's really, the metal element governs giving and receiving. And it's also has a lot to do with our immune system in terms of how we get colds and things like that. Mm -hmm. How is our defense system against viruses and colds and things? And so, but this in and out, this giving, receiving, how we take in the world, how we give it back, it's how we take in air with the lungs and excrete waste with the large intestine. Those are the organs related to the metal element. And so in that season, we're looking at the relational body. So how are we showing up in our relationships? This is why November is all about sustain and sustaining boundaries and focusing on boundaries. December is all about giving and receiving. How do we exchange energy with others in the form of gifts, but also as we party and do stuff over the holidays and things like that? How is that exchange working? Is it balanced? Are we taking too much? Are we giving too much, et cetera? So you can see a very natural flow. And in terms of entrepreneur life, you know, you want to be maybe building, if you're creating something new, winter or writing a book, winter is a great time to do that. And then you start coming out more. Maybe you launch in the spring where you you know, you bring out some new initiatives in the spring and summer you're riding it, you know, and it's like you can see how a business cycle could also work laid on top of the wheel. Totally. And this is something, I guess, probably over 10 years ago, I intuitively started to feel into, like, I don't generally do a lot of work over winter. Winter's a time I actually also don't like winter. I've got a lot of blaze energy in me for anyone that mm. that knows wealth dynamics. I'm like full blaze energy. So for me, as soon as the sun comes out and it starts getting hot, like I'm on fire, literally. Like that's when everything starts happening. And in Australia in, in our summer, that's the like the Christmas New Year period. And it's the time yeah. where everyone closes their business and they all go on holidays. And I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. I'm ready to go now. Let's go. Let's go. Exactly, exactly. So, so I've intuitively been been following the seasons or allowed my body to kind of follow those seasons for a while. But I guess what's coming up as you were going through all that is do people need to wait for a certain season to decide I want to like really go deep and explore who I am and what my business could sort of flow into or, or change or pivot or, you know, do I want to do this full change and birth something different? Or do we just kind of need to go with our feelings? Does that question make sense? It makes total sense. And what I suggest is going with your feelings for me is always number one. Is it? And if what you discover that you're feeling is uninspired, unclear, flat, like not creative, 
new ideas aren't coming, then it's time to look at, okay, what is the season? What is most active now? Maybe I'm responding to a seasonal influence energetically, and I'm trying to push something that's not, that my body is just a no to. Mm -hmm. So, because that's not to say, if you feel super creative in the winter season, in the time, you know, and it gives you vitality to bring something new out, do it. But yeah. if you get to the winter and you're tired, rest. Don't mm. push yourself. Don't force yourself to do something because everybody says you have to launch something in January. That's just bullshit. I just don't think yeah. it's true. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, for you, it might be true because it's glazed time, but- but, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, it, 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 our bodies may not be too excited to do a launch in January, If in yeah. which case, honor that. Yeah. And so it, I really believe the main thing to unhook from is this idea that we're supposed to be productive all the time. Is it? Which for many of us, I, at least I was taught and many people I talked to were, were taught to push ourselves to be productive and without regard to the season, to life season, not just external season, but internal season. For example, when my mother died, I felt plunged into this cave of, it was very quiet. I mean, there was grief. It's not that there wasn't grief, but there was just this quiet, dark place. And I could not, I felt to push myself out of that prematurely would have been to do harm to mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And I paused any business building activities. All I fulfilled the minimum. I fulfilled all my existing client relationships. I didn't, you know, abandon anything. I, but I stopped building anything new and I let myself sit in the dark. And it took about three months. And I then started to feel this upwelling of life again. Mm. And as that emerged, I caught it. You know, I, I, I went with it and came out the gate roaring with so much energy and created. I had the best revenue year of my business the year after my mother died. And and it wasn't, I don't think it's necessarily related, but mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. know that I know that a big part of it was I gave myself permission. In fact, luckily I was in the financial position that I could just mm -hmm. fulfill and not have to get new clients at that time. But because I gave myself permission to be in this quiet, dark cave for as long as it took and to allow myself to naturally come out allowed me to have so much energy on the back end, on the other mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that not everybody has the financial freedom to be able to pare down, to pare back like that. And I think we can do it more than we imagine. Yes. Friends could help, right? We could ask for help. We could move somewhere cheaper. I mean, there's ways that we could facilitate allowing ourselves that space, like if you're getting sucked into a dark cave by your system, trust it. Mm. You know, I, I just, yeah. I find it interesting that the way that you started talking about that is saying we don't need to be productive all the time. But when you really lean into what you just said, 
by us stepping back or not stepping back, but really like sort of coming within, that is being productive because that's what we need. So that's like, it's a real shift in thinking there to understand that the traditional sense of being productive is just go, 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 go. But in actual sense, but in reality, being productive is whatever we need at that time to be able to move forward. Oh, I love how you said that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. Now, there may be people listening. We've talked a lot about, you know, if maybe if you're feeling bored or if you're feeling a lack of energy, like these are the things you can do. But there may be people listening that are like, actually, like my business is really successful at the moment and I feel like things are going well but they might just feel a little like, I just want to lean into that passion piece a little bit more. What are some of the things, some of the questions, some of the activities that we could do to really go within and find that next level of passion? I love journaling as an activity and not just journaling like, oh, yesterday I had coffee with my friend and then I did Mm. this and I walked by the beach. No journaling questions and then answering your questions in the journal. And sometimes, I mean, for me, my experience is that it's like my higher self or my guides. Uh, I access communication with them in that way. If it's hard to access, like if you ask yourself a question and nothing is coming, you could try switching the pen to your non-dominant hand. And if you do that, I suggest giving yourself permission to write really, really big because if you're trying to write neatly with your non-dominant hand, it'll slow you down. Like it it, it takes too much bandwidth out Is of it? listening inside. So sometimes your non-dominant hand can answer questions quickly for you if you just allow it to be messy and big. So that's one way you can access this deeper wisdom because all we're talking about basically is bypassing our conscious or conditioned mind to try to access our more intuitive, subconscious, knowing, deeper inside mind, which really lives in the body. And another way to do that would be if you love, if there's a practice that brings you into your body in a really beautiful way. So for some people, it might be dancing. For another, it might be yoga. For me, it's qigong. Like I love doing qigong because it it really activates if my hands get all warm, you know, I just feel very embodied when I do Qigong. And so I think embodiment is a key part of it. So when things are going great, it's like any peak. I want to say a word about learning to shift at the peak because we don't always navigate peaks well. And what I mean by that is things are going well, we're riding on a high, everything's looking good, da, 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 da. And it's like we want to hang on to that state as long as possible. But as we all know, uh, what goes up must come down. And <laughs> at yeah. some point, you know, you're at the top of the roller coaster, shoom, it starts going down. The thing is not, first of all, not to fear that. So just because things are great now and knowing that from one day to the next, or that may change, anything could happen that would shift how you're feeling, not to fear that and to trust that that descent, first of all, that another ascent is on the other side of it, because it always comes back up. And 
you know, if you don't grip to the top and you learn to shift when things are good, you can actually extend the ride. So I feel like when you're at the top, when things feel great is exactly the time to begin asking yourself, not in an obsessive, you know, worried, anxious way, but in a curious way, wow, this is so great. What's my next expansion here? Mm. That's a great question you could journal journal on. Like, oh, this feels so good. I'm loving this. In particular, this thing feels really good. What's the next expansion over here that I mm. could ride? So so you you know, you recognize, oh, I'm at a peak. And then how do I not grip to the peak, but expand, continue to expand, which can allow that peak to keep going, also, even as you don't fear the slowdown, because the slowdown will happen. And the more permission you have for the slowdown, the quicker you'll come back up again. Mm, oh, my goodness. I love this so much. I think curiosity is the biggest expander of us as entrepreneurs, but in all areas of our life. And and it's funny that the way that you said that, because just this week I was running a group coaching call with my clients and I said, I had the biggest lesson of my life this year. Like we're in a seven year, you know, it's all about personal growth. And I just took two weeks off and went completely on vacation, completely switched off. I let my coaches completely take, you know, take over everything and like really did no delivery. It was fabulous. And the biggest lesson was surrender. And it just kept hitting me in the face over and over again. Sam, you have been holding on to things too much. You need to surrender and you need Mm -hmm. to surrender for you to be able to go into that next, you know, that next level of expansion. And it's so, so what you just said to them, like really resonated because this has been huge for me just Mm -hmm. recently. And I think that, you know, if I think back to, I'll put this in air quotes, our pretty body years, like there's no surrender there. It's like we're no. just completely controlling everything. And and I don't mean controlling in a in a traditional controlling way, but you know, we feel like we have to hold on to everything and do it. This is the way that we're going to force it to happen. Right. I love that you used the word force because as we were talking, the word willpower popped into my heart, into my mind. And it's like we're willing things to happen and we're making them happen and we're mm. thriving and we're it's so will-based. And then we typically, we hit the wall at some point. And because willpower is a finite resource. Yes. But passion is an infinite resource. Desire is an infinite resource. And when I say desire, because desire gets a bad rap, uh, you know, when I say desire, I don't mean hedonism. I don't mean willy-nilly, you know, drink all Mm -hmm. the drinks and eat all the chocolate. I, I don't mean that. What I mean is If you look around, all of life is powered by desire. We are born because our parents desired each other. Plants grow because they want to feel the sun and then they respond by growing. You know, they exchange oxygen, carbon monoxide, right? Like it's all desire. Everything exists because of desire. So if we can get our head out of the religious bullshit, excuse me, if I can say that. Uh, Go for it. Okay, I wasn't sure if I'm allowed to use curse, <laughs> if I'm allowed to cuss. If we get out of the sort of 
desires, the root of all evil thing that many of us were taught, and actually embrace what's a deeper truth, which is that everything is born out of desire. We wouldn't have life if life didn't want to be lifing. That is the infinite resource, not willpower. And so again, when we're at a peak, when everything's going great, another question besides expansion can be, where am I efforting? And can I surrender here? Because I love that you brought in surrender. Can I can I surrender that effort and find a deeper aligned way of flow? So instead of effort, find flow. That would be another question. Because even at the peak, when everything's going great, there's still fine tuning that can be done. Mm. And so expansion is one. You brought up the perfect thing with the curiosity and staying curious and open. And then also the gratitude piece. So the thing that extends our expansion and extends the peak more and more is if we acknowledge and are grateful for the good that is happening. Because many of us, I don't know about you, but like I'm a pretty driven human. and, And so anything good that happens, I barely often, this was an old habit, I've cured this habit, but the old habit used to be I would barely even acknowledge the mm. win before I'd be looking to the next mountain I had to climb, right? Like, yeah. well, what's the next hurdle I have to get over? And But, oh, this is really great, but I don't have that. You know, it's yeah. just a habit of the mind that we have to grow ourselves out of. Totally. So that's, I would say that's another piece of it is, is expanding, asking ourselves questions, being curious, and being grateful for the amazingness that's already here. And all of that allows things to keep growing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm loving this conversation so much. Now, you have a grown-ass power quiz, which I think is such a cool name, where you talk (laughs) about five primary archetypes. Can you tell us a little bit about why we want to know what our primary archetype is and how this can help us in our business? So it's helpful to look at archetypes because it can be hard to see ourselves clearly. When we just look inside, we have this mishmash of what happened to us when we were kids. You know, there might be trauma still active. There might be shame present. And it's hard to see ourselves. It's hard to see our greatness sometimes. And so what an archetype helps us do is we can see ourselves in that mirror. It functions like a mirror of our strengths. Now, because I do a lot of work with the shadow, it mirrors our strengths. And I also talk about what the shadow things are that can bite us in the ass, right? So I think it's important to acknowledge both. But without having... So what I feel the archetypes help us do is it helps us see what our strengths are more clearly so we mm-hmm. can lean on them more strongly and then be aware of our typical pitfalls, like where we might typically run into trouble so we can keep an eye on that. And it helps to mitigate any shame that might be present because we're wired how we are wired. Like there's nothing to be ashamed about. And change, I always say this, change doesn't happen in an atmosphere of shame. Shame keeps us locked into our patterns. And so I created this quiz and created the archetypes as a means to help somebody 
step out of the shame thing for a minute, see their greatness, see their strengths in a new way, recognize, okay, here, if the pitfalls resonate, then they know, oh, okay, that's what I need to work on. But wow, I have this gift. Let me yeah. use this gift more. Let me bring this gift more out. And that's how we can really activate our passion more fully. Would you like me to run down the archetypes real quick? Yeah, let's do that. Definitely. Okay. So, so the five archetypes that the grown-ass power quiz and uh, point, you know, gives you the results for. And again, you'll have one result. We we all tend to have all of them. As Walt Whitman said, "I am large; I contain multitudes." And <laughs> so we are. We are. We contain multitudes. And so we people often resonate with more than one. But there's one that's going to be primary. So you have to really go with your gut, you know, your first thought, best thought when you're taking the quiz. But the first one, and these aren't in a hierarchical order in any way. They're just ha- how they happen to occur in my brain. So the first is the mystic priestess. And she's super connected to spirit. She has deep insight and intuitive brilliance. But her struggle is often, it's a little hard to manifest things in the 3D world. She -hmm. might struggle a bit with money. She might fall in love with partner's potential instead of seeing who the person really is. You know, she she has such a depth of connection to the deeper energetic spiritual realms that sometimes she might not feel like she totally fits in on the planet, you know, among the the normies or the muggles, you know. And the second one is the survivor savior. So she survived a really rough childhood and it's made her incredibly compassionate. And the savior piece is because she's gone through so much, she has the capacity to sit with other people going through hard things. So she will often choose to work with really yeah homeless addicts you know difficult people populations who are truly suffering and she Mm -hmm. has the wisdom and compassion to be able to do that and her downfall however is that she might still be sourcing her identity from her trauma so Mm. she herself might stay a bit stuck and be stuck in this survival role because she can't fully move on from her own history because who would she be without it, yeah. right? So so that's where the work lies for her is to do some work around her own trauma to get free so that she, her survivorness, so she gets to have a great life too, <laughs> you know? So she doesn't have to be suffering, but helping other people while she's totally. still in pain. The truth warrior has developed as a really strong, I, I, she, um, in the image, she's holding a sword because she has a, she has a very sharp blade. She can cut through and to the truth. She has real insight. She has um, this capacity to see through people, patterns, problems, things. And her difficulty is that she doesn't always know when is the best time to tell that truth. So there can be such a, you know, we so love, I'm a truth warrior, we, we so love how brilliant our insights are that we sometimes share them without getting consent. And not everybody's ready to hear that your deep Um. insightful truth as to why they're fucked up, you know, so (laughs) unless they paid you because that's, they want that, right? So, you know, the truth warrior needs to learn discernment and she needs to learn to calibrate to situations more effectively and and really pay attention to what level of listening is somebody able to, you know, meet mm-hmm. or like what what level of communication is so is it is somebody able to hear 
Mm-hmm. The fourth is the dragon woman. A lot of entrepreneurs fall into this one. She's excellent at what she does. She's high-powered. She's perfectionistic. She's usually the most competent one in the room. And the, the danger with her is that she's learned to lean on her competence and achievement as her worthiness and as her lovability. And she sees vulnerability as weakness. Mm-hmm. And so for her, the challenge, she can tend to cut people off if they are imperfect and they let her down. She can tend to go cold, withdraw, get superior, kind of mm-hmm. like an ice queen. And her expansion is going to lie in allowing herself to be imperfect, allowing others to be imperfect, and learning to soften and receive. Mm-hmm. And the last one is the heart weaver. And we all know the heart weavers. They're like the moms who all the kids come to that house to get the cookies. She bakes the cookies. Yeah. She does, you know, the things for the school, for the for the holidays. You know, she she weaves the community together and she has this embracing kind of earth mama, you know, very motherly, warm, inviting, whether or not she's a physical mother, you know, she has a warm, inviting kind of being that people love to come and rest into. She's often the friend that all the other friends go to for help, right? Mm-hmm. And, and with her is that she's so identified with giving that she doesn't ask for help herself mm-hmm. when she needs uh-huh. it. She resentful and exhausted. And um, if her self-worth is tied up in the giving, then she's giving too much. And so her learning is going to lie in how do I sit back? How do I receive? How do I ask for help myself and allow yeah. others to give to me? And that can be revelatory for her to discover that she can be loved even when she's not giving. Mm. I can really hear where the opportunity is here in understanding who you are so that it's easier to see into those little shadows and to understand how to lean into the gifts more. So where can people go to to do the quiz to find out this information for themselves? Go to yourpoweredquiz.com and you can take the quiz there and everything else will unfold from there. I have also developed a five-episode private podcast that goes more deeply into the archetypes, more deeply into what turns them on. Each episode is slightly different and you'll get information for that when you take the quiz. It'll be in one of the follow-up emails. You can also listen to the podcast and learn more. And there's also a Facebook group you can join that has a n- more additional content. And so there's lots of teaching available about these archetypes. And I, I'm really committed to redefining aging for us <laughs> as a time of potency and transformation <laughs> and the opportunity to rest into our wisdom and activate our brilliance even more than we already have. Because at this age, we care less about what everybody thinks, and it's our time. And we just have so much to share because we've lived so much already. And it's just a question of how do we become more loving towards what I call our inconvenient bits, the bits that we wish were different than they are. Mm -hmm. How do we become more loving and inclusive and embracing of those because change doesn't happen in an atmosphere of shame. So how do we love and embrace the parts of us that we you know, are less enamored of? And how do we allow our brilliance to shine even more and step into this next phase of life 
lit up and and aligned and connected and in flow. That's what's possible. Marie Elizabeth, I have loved this conversation so much. I feel like we almost need to do a follow-up episode to this because I just feel like there is so much depth in this topic. And, you know, it's funny, just about everything I was going to ask you, you already answered it. And the way that you tied this episode up with a beautiful little bow just right there is the perfect way to end this conversation. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom, your heart, your passion. It was absolutely fabulous to chat with you. Oh, I love chatting with you too. And I would love to come back on if you'd like to do a part two. It's just so fun to talk with someone who, you know, we vibe. <laughs> totally. To say it. <laughs> totally. That's what it is. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. Thank you.